You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Father God, thank you that we are here. We thank you for health. We thank you for your people, God. We thank you for this opportunity to come together freely, publicly, God, and worship you. I pray that no matter where we're coming from today, no matter what we believe, no no matter what we've been through, no matter what we just did or are going to do, God, you have a plan, you have a purpose, and you brought every single one of us here today because you love us. You've been running after us, and you want to encounter us with your love and your grace and your peace and your mercy and your freedom, God, and your goodness here today. Would you meet us where we are as we open ourselves up to you and your presence and your word here this morning? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so 2019, I don't know if you know this, it was a historic year. It really was. I'm a big music guy. In fact, like, do you, ever, do you ever look at your hobbies and, and your interests and everything, and you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't really have a hobby. Gwen, my wife, seems to know me so much more than I know myself, because it was actually last year around this time where I was looking at my life, and I'm like, I don't really have any hobbies. And I'm, as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm literally, I'm just reading the Beach Boys Wikipedia page. I'm like, I don't know what I'm interested in. I'm like, but this is fascinating. Gwen looks at me, and she's like, you, music, Dave, that's your thing. So I love music, and 2019 was a historic year for music, all right? Someone did something that had not been done since 1964, 55 years ago, okay? This is a pretty big deal, all right? This person dethroned the Beatles. Dethroned the Beatles, yeah. I can, I can feel your anger and hostility already, okay? Listen, I just report it, all right? I didn't make it happen. Here's the thing. In 2019, this artist had the top three songs simultaneously on the Billboard Hot 100 at the same time. Again, had not happened since 1964, the Beatles. And do you know who that person was? Anybody know? Anybody know? No? Ah, interesting, because it's such a big deal, right? Um, (laughs) So historic. Just let me compose myself here. Ariana Grande. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm with you. I'm with you, okay? Now, before you guys, I know some of you are here, you're like, okay, boomer, she's a big deal, right? Like, relax, okay? Again, I didn't make it happen, all right? I thought, this is historic. This is a big deal. I, sh- I should be listening to Ariana Grande, you know? I should, I'm open-minded, like, so I, you know, I, I switched off the Beach Boys, and I turned, I was like, I gotta check this out, thank you, next, what is this about, you know, like, so I went, and I start, I start jamming, you know, I'm like, okay, all right, and then, and then I'm listening to this, you know, you should, you should break up with your boyfriend, I'm bored, and I'm like, okay, all right, and <laughs> I've gotta be honest with you, this might be very surprising to you. But I had this moment where I was like, I, I clicked it off and I went, 
I don't get it. I don't, I'm not seeing it, right? I, I, apparently, lots of people see it, but I don't see it. Have you ever had one of those moments, all right? Yeah. Yes, where everyone else seems to see it but you. And you're sitting there going, I don't, I don't know, I don't get it, I don't, I don't see it. Maybe for you it goes all the way back to middle school when you were looking at a Where's Waldo book, right? <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, do you see him? You're like, I, no, yeah, I, I, I see him, you know? Or those like weird things that you would hold up to your nose, this, the picture, and they're like, oh, I see it, I see it. And you're like, it's so cool, I don't see it. But I'm just going to sit here, right? There's all these opportunities, all these chances where other people seem to see it and you just don't see it. Maybe it's a little bit more serious for you though, right? It's not about Where's Waldo books, but you're going to have this family gathering, right? Or you've had a family gathering and someone brings someone else. This is my boyfriend. This is my girlfriend, you know? And like you've been hearing wonderful things about this person and then you're looking, watching, talking, and you're like, I don't see it. I don't really... Mm, I don't see what everybody's seeing here, you know. (laughs) We all have these moments where we look at something and go, I don't see it. But today I want to talk about this. What we see often has a whole lot to do with what we're looking for, all right? Sometimes and we, we miss what's actually there because we're not looking for it. We don't see the same things that other people do because we're not looking for the same thing. We're looking, actually, if if it's the person, right, we're looking for all the opposite things. We're looking for the things that are wrong, the reasons to not listen, you know, like all of this stuff. But sometimes we miss what's there because we're not looking for it because what we see has a lot to do with what we're looking for. And nowhere is this more true than when it comes to exactly the time that we are in right now. Holidays, Christmas. There, it seems like everyone around you, you know, like they're singing the songs. They've got up their Christmas lights and everything. They're full of cheer, and it's like all of this. They, ooh, they they had their, their their shopping done months ago or something like that. And it's, <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't, I don't see. Everybody seems so happy. Everybody sees this as such a joyous time of year, but I don't see that. I don't see it. I don't feel that. That doesn't feel like it's real to me. Nowhere is this more true than in the holidays. Because when it comes down to it, especially, like it's, man, the holidays just has, has this way of magnifying this, right? In the holidays, we're be, we become aware, like no other time, that every single one of us is actually looking for something. We're looking for something. And that's what we feel, like especially when we're looking for something and we don't see it. It's not there. We're not experiencing it. For some of us, we're experiencing magnified loss in this season. And you're just looking for that fulfillment. You're looking to fill the empty space that's been left behind by someone or something. You're looking to feel the joy again, and you're just not seeing it. Others of us have have Christmas time, and we experience loneliness like never before. Perhaps that's a romantic relationship. Or, or maybe it's just the presence of friends and family and feeling like you don't fit in, like you don't have a place, a tribe, a people. And so you're looking for relationships. You're looking for value. You're looking for worth. You're feeling like Charlie Brown where you're looking for the invitation and you still just don't see it in your life. 
could be loss. It could be loneliness for others. It's just this magnified sense of anxiety around the holidays where you may be looking for provision. You're worried. You're stressed out about January when the credit bill, card bill is coming or how you're going to make it or where you're going to be, where you're going to go, what you're going to do. Some of us have anxiety because it's over direction or meaning, or people's expectations, and whether or not you're going to be able to do all of the things and be all of the things that you're supposed to do and be at this time of year. And you're just looking at it going, I don't see a way. I don't see it. Other people say there's a way, but I don't. And still others of you, many of you maybe are in this spot where you're coming to church this Christmas, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do. And if, and if, if it's been a while, welcome. We're glad that you're here. It's kind of like a family reunion, all right, because sometimes we, it's, it's just Christmas and it's just Easter, and we want you to know that we don't want you to feel bad about that. We're really glad about that because this is, that is why. You are why we are here today. This is why, because of where you're at, because of what you're thinking, because of what you're feeling, and God has planned for you to be here, not just all of us, you, because he loves you, he sees you, he knows you. He's been looking for you, but some of you come in here these, these, these doors today, and you're like, I don't see it. That Dave up there going crazy, hands up in the air, worshiping Jesus, church. I don't get it. I don't see it. Where's God been in my life? What's going on for me? When it comes to Jesus, you might not see it. And I want to say right now, in this moment, that's okay. You're welcome here. Right when you walked in those doors, it says, come as you are. And if that's where you are, we're glad that you came. But here's what I want you to hear today. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, what you see is really what you get. What you see is what you get. And here's what I mean by that. Whatever brought you here today, it's something. Maybe you think it's your mom, you know. But there's something in you that didn't just plant your feet in the ground and go, no. Not today. Whatever brought you here today, whatever you are looking for, I promise you, I promise you this, you will find it and more in Jesus. Because what you see is what you get. And sometimes we don't see it because we're not looking for it. When I look for Jesus, here's the truth. When I look, when you look, when all of us look for Jesus, what ends up hap actually happening is that we find everything else. Sometimes we live our lives, though, looking for everything else. And we never see Jesus. We never find Jesus, and we never find all those other things. But when we look for Jesus, we find everything else. I want to share with you a story that you're probably familiar with uh, at some point, maybe, maybe more than, uh, than Ariana Grande, um, but it's the story of the three wise men, all right? Now, at some point, you've likely heard the story of, of Christmas and how there's the you know, angel thing and the shepherds and Mary, something about that. There were also these three wise men, three royalty, three kings that come from a faraway place. All we know is that they came from far away and it was in the east. And they come and they visit Jesus and they bring him these gifts, right? Frankincense, gold, myrrh. This is their story. And what I, want to, what I really want to camp out on here today is that these three wise men find everything that they are looking for in Jesus. And what they found actually had everything to do with what they were looking for. 
Their story picks up in Matthew 2. Again, if you brought your Bible, you can open it up to that. Um, if you're on version, you can scroll along, or you can just listen to the sound of my voice, reading it over you, all right? The option is yours. But in Matthew 2, we find this story. Uh, it's the only place, by the way, where we find this story, their story, and it picks up in Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Let's just, let's just slow it down, right? Holidays, enjoying it, finding the meaning in it. It's all about slowing it down. So let's slow this down. These wise men come from a faraway place, and what are they looking for? They're looking for the king, Right? They are looking, they say, where is he? We saw the star, we know the prophecies, we know the promise that's been made for thousands and thousands of years before, and we are looking for the king. We came to find him and we came to worship him. Jesus is the one that they're looking for. Jesus is the one that they came to find, and Jesus is one that is that's, is born a king. These wise men aren't just looking for a baby. They didn't just travel all this way for the baby shower, right? No, they were looking for the king, and that's because Jesus is greater than a baby. You might say that sounds obvious. I would say really, because if I'm honest, many days I don't live my life that way, and perhaps you're like me. These guys were looking for a king, and it's because Jesus is looking for a baby. Think about this, right? In verse 5, just a couple verses later, it says, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. A prophet is somebody that spoke for God. God made promises to people for hundreds and thousands of years prior to the birth of Jesus. And this is the one that they quote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. They know the prophecies. Where do they show up first? We're going to find out in just a second. They come looking for the king in a palace. That's how they have this conversation with Herod in the first place. Why do they go to the palace? Because they're looking for a king. Like I said, right, a lot of us don't live that out on a day-to-day -day basis because many of us have some assumptions about Jesus. Many of us have, have this picture in our mind that we either think he fits or want him to fit. Something that's a lot more comfortable for us, right? We think of Jesus the baby. And that, that feels nice, right? That's kind of why, why we like Christmas. You know, oh, God came down to earth in the form of a baby. He's cute. He's cuddly. Doesn't say a whole lot, you know? Just like, oh, I can, I can just feel the comfort of of holding Jesus, being in God's presence, and know like there's just pure love. And listen, all those things are true. That's absolutely true. But when we think about Jesus, when we come looking for God in fulfillment, I'm going to tell you, we don't find everything that God has for us when we simply look for Jesus, the baby. Maybe some of us have been living our lives a whole lot more like somebody that you might know in this video clip that I'm about to show you. Take a look. 
Come on, y'all. I've been slaving over this for hours. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR, as we call them. I also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we... um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight-pound... Six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money! <laughs> you, bonus points, by the way. If you can ro rock, like, shake and bake into your holiday prayer, Okay. <laughs> Bonus points. I'll know you were really listening that way, all right? <laughs> How do you like your Jesus? That's the thing, right? So many times we, we, we fall into that, right? We, we look at that. We laugh at that. But how do you like your Jesus? Newborn, hardly able to say a word, pretty powerless, pretty harmless, right? That's not, that's not what the wise men were looking for. They were looking for a, a king, and that's exactly what they found. They found a baby, but you know what they saw when they found that baby? These wise men saw a king. And a king, right, that's, that's a little bit scary because now it's, it's not just tiny newborn baby Jesus that can't say a word, hardly knows nothing, isn't very powerful, can't really do anything, but a king, a king has power. A king has authority. It can hold on to that power. A, a king can lord over you. It's power and authority to make you do stuff that maybe you don't want to do. A baby, that's a little bit more comfortable, right? We have, we have authority over a baby. But a king, a king has authority over you. A king has authority over me. And I think about my kids, right? Kids are born with a king complex. 
right? We had this saying in our, in our house with our, when our kids are growing up, babies don't make decisions, but you know what? They want to, right? Babies want to tell you what to do. Babies want to tell you how it's going to be, when it's going to be, what they like, what they don't like. They want, to know, want you to know that they came into this world as a king, and they're going to tell you how it's going to be. They're going to tell you when you're going to sleep. They're going to tell you when you're not going to sleep. They're going to tell you what they're going to eat, what they're not going to eat, right? They want to be the ones that are in charge. And then they hold on to this, right, when they, when they become kids. Kids have this fantasy of, like, it's a Nickelodeon fantasy where, like, what if kids ruled the world? Yeah! What? Be awful if kids rule the world. That's ridiculous. But we all have these, these things in our mind. It's like, we want the baby king. We want the one that's not going to tell us what to do because we're going to tell you what to do. We're going to be the ones that are in authority. Louis XIV, actually, I just learned this this past week. I was talking with Mike Nank. He's telling me about this little baby king, uh, youngest one in history. Louis XIV became a king when he was four. You know what happened? It was not pretty. It was awful. Dude was a brat. And he was able to impose his will on all kinds of other people. And that, my friends, is scary. This is why we don't like the idea of king, Jesus. We don't like the idea of authority, Jesus, because authority is scary. We've seen bad authority. We've seen a power abused in our lives, from our leaders, from politicians, to governments, to, to police officers. I, we, we've seen it all. All over the place, there is abusive power, bad leadership, scary authority. And so we, we hear king and we go, I like my Jesus the baby way, the Christmas way, the cozy way, right? But here's the thing, right? Jesus isn't just a king. Jesus is a good king. Jesus is greater than any king there ever has been or any ever will be. And some of you might hear that and go like, what do you mean greater than any other king? There are all kinds of kings. All kinds of kings. We'll get back to that in a second, but I want to pick up with our story because there's another king in this story. Picking up in Matthew 2, bringing it over to verse 3. It says this, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, why would Herod be troubled by a baby? He's not the one that's changing its diapers. No. Herod the king is troubled because he sees in Jesus exactly what the wise men see. And that's not just a baby. That's not just a buddy, a life coach, a cozy friend. He sees a king. And kings are coming after your power. Kings are coming after your authority. Kings can dethrone you if they get strong enough and are let last to, to hang out long enough. So Herod sees this, and he is terrified because he wants to hold on to power. That's what bad authority does, doesn't it? It will hold on to power no matter what. It will stop at nothing to keep power in your life and over you. Herod sees this, and he's troubled. But the verse goes on. And all Jerusalem with him, now, why might that be? I guarantee you this. It's not because Herod was so loved. It's not because they were going, you know what we would really love is for Herod to stay in power. Our lives are so good right now. No, there's actually a longing. If you read the scriptures, there is a longing, a desire. Like, we want someone 
else in charge. We're tired of bad authority. We're tired of poor leadership. We're tired of those that lord it over us and make our lives worse. We're miserable and they're crying out to God, how long? When will you send this Messiah, this king that's going to come and actually be good and make the world right again and our lives will be better because of it? They're waiting and they're longing for this. But here it says that King Herod hears about this. He's troubled and everybody with him is troubled too. You know why he's troubled? You know why all the rest of Israel is troubled? Because kings have subjects. And when your king is terrified, you better be terrified because your life is about to get worse. And, and here's, here's where we see it, right? Picking up uh, just a few verses later, verses 7 and 8, Herod summons the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. That sounds so nice, right? Oh, yeah, I'd like to go and worship him too. And this is, the way that, this is the way that bad kings, bad power, bad authority starts, right? It starts with promises, secret. Let's just, let's just keep this between us. Hey, it's going to be good, right? I think it's, everything's going to be okay. But here's what the truth is. Later on, verse 13. Now, when the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child, that's Jesus, and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. Why? For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Not worship him. Destroy him. Verse 16, it goes on. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, we're going to get there, but the wise men don't listen. They run the opposite way. Way to go, wise men. That was a good call been tricked by the wise men, he becomes furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that, had, that he had ascertained from the wise men. This is a bad guy. This is an evil authority. He is a downright poor king who will stop at nothing to hold on to his power who does not care about you or your welfare or your family or your life. And you say, well, that was a long time ago. We don't have kings. I say that every single one of us has a king. Every single one of us has a king in our lives. Kings have subjects. So the question becomes, what are you subject to? What are you powerless over in your life? I would tell you, again, going back just a few minutes here, when I said Jesus isn't the only king in the story, yes, there's Herod. We have earthly powers and authorities that are over us that can make our lives better, can make our lives worse. We are subject to them. But there are also, the Bible says, that there are powers, there are principalities, there are other kings, gods, roaming around on the earth looking for ways to grab hold of power in your life, take up the throne in your heart and steal from you, and kill and destroy just the way that Herod want to, wants to. John 10.10, 10, Jesus actually says this. He says that there is an enemy, a king, a powerful being that seeks to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. But, Jesus says, I have come so that you can have life 
and have it abundantly or have it to the full. He doesn't just say, I came so that you can go to heaven when you die. No, he says, the message of Jesus is actually the kingdom of God is near. What Jesus got in trouble for was walking around claiming to be God who was king. This is a political message. If you want me to preach the political message here today, because there's a lot going on in politics, right? Here's my political message. Jesus is king. And it was political then. It's political today. And it has massive implications for our lives. Every single one of us has a king. Something that sits on the throne of our heart. Something that we're powerless over. If, you, if you're thinking, that's me here today, listen, you're in good company because I'm there and every single one of us have been there. There is someone, there is something that sits on that throne and you are powerless. Even Paul, who wrote so much of the Bible, said the good stuff I want to do in my, my life, it seems like I can't do. And all that bad stuff that steals from me and kills and destroys goodness and plans in my life, it seems like that's the stuff I'm always going back to. That's the stuff I'm, more, I'm powerless over. I can't do anything about it. I'm tired and I'm getting hopeless. I feel like I don't even have a choice in it anymore. That's how powerless I am over it. That's how subject I am to this king. We all have a king. Maybe yours is addiction. Maybe your king is desire of some sort. Maybe your king is power or success, a relationship, a relationship you already have. That person can be king in your life. It could be money. It could be a thought pattern that keeps on repeating in your, in your mind and in your heart, and you're powerless over it, and you're subject to it. That is your king. Listen, Jesus is greater than any other king. He's greater than any other king. He's the king that was promised. He's the king that can deliver John 10.10 says that there are some kings that come to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come to give you life and life to the full. Do you know that for years and years and years, the number one portrait of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross was not this idea that we have now, which is also true, by the way. There's this idea called substitutionary atonement, is that Jesus went to the cross to take our punishment and give us life. That is true. That happened in the cross. But there was also this other image, and it's called Christus Victor, which means that Jesus won. Jesus is the victor. He won. He, he's greater than. He beat all the other kings. He defeated all the other powers. If you read that verse in the message translation, it talks about Jesus dressing them up and marching them through the streets like it, to show them for the sham authority that they really are. Jesus is greater, and he comes to set you free from the things that are that are that you are subject to. He comes to set you free from tyranny in your life from every other king, even self-imposed kings, even the kings that we think that we want. Jesus comes and says, I'm a king and I'm a good king and I came so that you can have life. But here's the thing, we can't just know that because until we actually say, okay, Jesus, you are my king, it won't make a lick of difference. When I was in Haiti years ago, I met this woman who was paying pretty much everything that she had to a voodoo witch doctor. And I met, with, I met her, and we shared Jesus with her, and she, and she prayed and said, yes, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my king, but I don't know how I'm going to make it because I, I'm paying all this money to, to the witch doctor. And we said to her, you don't have to do that anymore. 
because that guy doesn't have any power over you anymore. Doesn't have the power over you anymore. Jesus is king. And when you say Jesus is my king, no other power, no other king has authority over you anymore. No other king can run your life into the ground. No other king can steal, kill, and destroy anymore because you have a king who is good and is for you and loves you and gives himself up for you so that you can experience life instead. But she had a choice. I have a choice. You have a choice. We all have a choice. Because even though these kings are less than, even though Jesus is a king that is unlike any other king, so much greater than, we can choose to live under the authority of lesser kings. And we do it. We do it all the time. And we experience the sad, heartbreaking, life-wrecking consequences. Maybe not now. Maybe later. Definitely in eternity. That is the result of any other king on the throne of our heart but Jesus. Because Jesus is king. And Jesus is greater than any other king, and he is a good king. But in order for us to experience the life that he has for us, he has to be our king. He has to be my king. Because see, Jesus is not like any other king. He is not the king that makes demands of us. So many of us have grown up with this faulty view, this, this incomplete image of Jesus and his kingship. We have a God. You think that there's a God up there who's just making demands of you who wants to take from you, who wants to have power in your life and lord it over you and tell you what to do and what not to do and where to go and who to talk to or what to not look at. That's, that's not the kind of king that Jesus is at all. There are thousands of babies throughout all of history that would grow up to be a king, but there is only one king that made himself a baby because that is the way that Jesus King Jesus comes to you. Though he has power, though he has authority, though he's great, greater than any other king, he chooses, instead of holding on to it, instead of taking from people, he chooses to let go of it and become less. He comes into earth as a baby, born in a smelly barn, and he would grow up poor, hated, rejected, and he would live that way. People would be trying to kill him. They'd be running him out of town up until the point where he died when people laughed at him, mocked him, spit on him, whipped him, beat him, and they nailed him to a cross along with common criminals and said, why don't you wait there and die, King Jesus? We have a God, a king in Jesus that doesn't grasp onto power in our, over us but he gives it up, gives up his life so that we can have it. And what happens when you make Jesus your king? Well, here's what happened for the wise men down in verse 9, Matthew 2 again, verse 9. After listening to the king, these wise men went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, when they knew that they had found Jesus. Listen to what else they found. They found everything that they were looking for. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Did, did you note the difference? There's one king, king that demands this. There's one king that will take this. And there's another king that compels you to offer it. There's just something about King Jesus, the way he comes to us, the way he loves us, that we go, I, I freely open up everything to give it to you because there's life and freedom in that. And verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. These men left changed. It changed the direction of their course, changed their actions, but it also changed their lives. And it changed generations. And it changed cities, continents, the world, and eternity. That is what happens when we make Jesus king. We find joy that is inexplainable and incomparable. Anything else. We find worth, something worthy of everything that we have. We find value in that, in him. We find a changed direction and a direction that brings life instead of death. Because had, we, had these men gone the other way, death would have been in the future. But we find a new direction, a new way that brings life and life to the full. If you are not seeing these things in your life on some level, I want to ask you who or what is on the throne of your life because it ain't Jesus. King Jesus brings joy. King Jesus brings worth, value, meaning, identity, new direction, life, and hope, and purpose, changed legacies, changed direction. That is what King Jesus brings. And you would say, I'm looking for all of those things. I want to ask you, have you been looking in the right place? Do you have the right king? Because when you see Jesus as king, that's when you start to find all these other things too. Matthew 6, 3, 33, this is exactly what Jesus talks about when he's talking about all these things that people look for, right? He's talking about anxiety. He's talking about provision, loneliness, loss, wondering how we're going to make it. And at the end of this chapter, Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus says, you know what, though? I know that humans look for this stuff, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, righteousness is living in right relationship with God. That's all it is. His righteousness. Get right with him and all these things will be added to you. It's like when you find Jesus, you find everything else that you're looking for. I know that's kind of older language, so I wanted to share another version with you. It's the, uh, it's the message version. And it goes like this. What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. How many of us are stressed out, full of anxiety, right? We're looking for something. We're trying to get it in life. This is what I want you to do here is get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting. I love this part. So you can respond to God's giving. I want you to be not so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. What this means is don't go looking for something that you're being given. What do you see in Jesus? People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality. 
God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And I want to tell you, and then some, then some. This Christmas, I want you to know, when, when we meet Jesus, there is joy. There is peace in his presence. There is not terror. There's not reason to be afraid, scared of him. If you're lonely, you find him. This word, Emmanuel, means God with us. Jesus wasn't born in a palace, separate, higher than. No, he was born in a stable where everyday people could come and be in his presence because that was, that was what he offers to us. If you're lonely, you can find joy and peace in God's presence because King Jesus has come. There are other kings that demand things from you, that will lord over you, that hold power over you. Jesus draws you in. The wise men's gifts, they weren't taxes. They weren't forced. They weren't coerced. They weren't holding on to some religious code. They were offered freely because these things no longer gave them value and meaning. They no longer had power over them, so they were able to go, you know what? I'm free. I could give. I've got meaning. I've got value. I've got worth. They're free to now give it away. Jesus is a God. He's a king that gives. He doesn't grab. He doesn't take. There are other kings in our lives that will dictate that will decree, that will demand. But Jesus, he changes the direction of your life. He doesn't pull, he doesn't push, he doesn't force. He'll gently nudge, he'll call you to take a step into a new direction, into a new hope, into a new identity, into a new day. And his ways bring life, and life to the full. But it only happens when we look at baby Jesus and say, Jesus, you are more than a baby. You're a king. And not only are you a king, but you're a good king. You're greater than any other king that I could worship and lay my life down for because you're my king and you laid your life down for me to give me all of this and more. In these closing moments, we're gonna show you a video as we, as we play a song. And what we're hoping is that you maybe will find just a bit of your story, of your struggle in the people that are portrayed in this video. Let me take a look. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.